Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined as always by Jason Campbell, here to break down everything Auburn athletics for you. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hope you've had a great couple of weeks. We told you that our schedules last week with the NFL draft were pretty conflicting, so unfortunately couldn't get an episode out. Luckily, we had previewed and given some predictions for the NFL draft on the episode prior, so hope we held you over until this one. But obviously, we're going to recap the NFL draft, kind of talk about what ended up going down, any surprises we had, and of course, give you some updates on news and notes around Auburn Athletics. So it's going to be a great episode. We're glad that you have joined us. And first, as always, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. And don't forget this weekend as the run to the roses is on at the Kentucky Derby. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Now, it's super easy to get started, so just head to the website today. You can also use your mobile device, join, and you can use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, and they're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And without further ado, everyone, welcome in my esteemed co-host, Jason Campbell, right on the heels of quite a few shows up in New York City with CBS, right, Jay? You know it. Yes, I had to go up there and do a few few couple uh, pre-draft shows and talk about, you know, college football and a little bit about the upcoming season. But I tell you what, it was, it had a great time, had a fun time. The draft comes and goes so quickly (laughs) and the the buildup seems like forever. And then the draft, I'll say you snap your fingers and it's over. So, you know, Auburn was able to get, you know, Roger McCurry in the draft. Uh, fortunately, some of our other guys that are great competitors, you know, didn't hear their name called, but signed right. some free agent deals. So hopefully they get into camp and, you know, put some hard work in and able to make a roster on some mm-hmm. of these teams. But speaking of that, uh, I think that's the thing that Auburn has to do better now. I hmm. think moving forward is trying to find a way to, you know, make sure that, you know, our guys are building so that their talents can get seen and, and be you know, right. in the NFL draft to hear more of their names called because we're a top 10 football program. Yeah. And we should at least have four or five guys, you know, being called in the draft. And, you know, of course, a lot of that is, you know, we didn't have a winning season. And, you know, so a lot of stuff goes unnoticed. But, you know, there's there's something about, you know, us getting back to building that platform. And, you know, yeah. it's not a Coach Harson's thing. It's not a you know, it's just uh, Gus had players that was drafted when he was here mm-hmm. um, and everything. It's just that when you have a losing season, it goes back to 20, what was that, 2012? It goes back to 2012 when we only had one guy drafted wow. um, back then. And then the next year, we end up having, you know, the 2013 season where we go play the national championship and, and all of a sudden things change again. Yep. So, you know, if this is a sign for what's to come this season, if we go back to 2012 and 2013, turn out to be a great season, then hopefully Auburn's in for a great season this year, even though we have the number one ranked uh, schedule 
scrimp right. the schedule. Right. Yeah, of course, which seems to be a trend. And it's interesting because I think, okay, we're just diving into NFL draft talk. Here we go. So it is interesting in that because if you see the parallels, you know, in, okay, effective NFL draft class with successful season or losing season difficulty in the NFL draft. And is that a result of you just have fantastic players and IE that's why your season was incredible. Is it a matter of exposure because you're playing longer, you're playing in more high profile games that we're all paying attention to now. And therefore we're more educated on these players. It's hard to find. It's harder to find a diamond in the rough than in a bucket of diamonds. You know, like I, I think that they all go hand in hand. And the prime example is Georgia. What Georgia did, obviously they won a national championship this year. They were playing in the biggest, most watched games of the season. We were seeing all of these game day features being done and and all of this content being put out. So we felt like we knew how many times, even on a fantastic, you know, uh, team, a a nine win team, a, a solid bowl game win. How many times do you know that many defensive linemen You know what I mean? Like Georgia was so highly covered this season. It makes sense that they had 15 draft picks this year, five in the first round. And none of them, when their name got called, it was not the first time you heard their name because they were highly exposed all season. So yes, it is a matter of having fantastic talent and that's how you end up in the playoff and winning a natty, but it's also the exposure. So, and look, the strength of schedule goes with that too. The fact that Auburn is going to be in so many top 10 games or, or, you know, impressive road games or whatever that behooves you, but how you perform on those stages, the results of that, and the program doing their due diligence to get your name out there, to make this content. We're in this new world of consumerism that the more we see and the more we are integrated into the program during season, it only makes sense that a a fan base and organization at the next level is going to want you to be a part of it. So I think that that's a really unique element to this thing. And you know, you mentioned that you don't think it's a Harson thing. And I want you to elaborate on that a little bit because there have been um, some media members and, and people saying that it does reflect on Harson. And so talk to me a little bit about that because, you know, you see footage from pro days and things like that. Like we all know Belichick and Saban have a great relationship. And so I think that there is an element of it that is beneficial because if that head coach is that head coach can essentially act as an agent for you. And if they have an established relationship with that NFL coach or NFL scout, they can be pushing you along with your performance. Well, it's true. It's about connections. But the reason I say it's not a Harson thing is the simple fact that he just got the job. Okay. Um, When he first got the job, you know, this really, this, this past recruiting class of 2022 was really his first recruiting class. You know, he came in the year before he came in in January where the December class was pretty much signed. And then the guys that we ended up signing in February, he only got to know him for a couple of weeks. So we really won't know a Harson's effect on on the team until he's two to three years in. Because uh, now you get to see his effect of, okay, the guys that he's recruiting, the guys that his guys that he's assembling as his assistant coaches, who they're bringing in, how they're developing guys, 
and and helping get them to the next level, that's when you can okay see like okay what's Coach Harson's effect on helping guys get to the next level to the NFL. You can't say that after what last year because last year he's just like anybody else that just moved in. He's trying to learn these players. He's trying to learn Auburn. He's trying to learn the SEC. Uh, like I said, he didn't come in last last summer. He didn't come in in the fall. He came in in January, and that was a huge difference. So now I think we'll learn a lot about Coach Harson. We'll learn a lot about the Auburn football direction, I think, moving forward, because now this is his first real recruiting class. He's had an opportunity to get some guys in the transfer portal. He's had an opportunity now to put his offensive coordinator that he'd been doing for years, Keesaw. He's had an opportunity to put his defensive coordinator that he had at Boise State in position at D coordinator now. So now all the language, all the the familiarity, all the camaraderie, all that stuff we will see now because, you know, you have guys that you've been knowing for a while. Now, what effect are y'all going to put on the Auburn program? Mm -hmm. And especially after all the stuff that happened this spring, legacies are on the line, you know, so – I think this is going to be important moving forward. I think once they saw that, this is something they definitely want to want to see happen. And like I said, like a lot of that goes to what you said, exposure. And when there are big games, if you win those big games, guess what? People go back and study the film a little bit harder and see, okay, why did you beat Georgia? Why did you beat Bama? Why did you beat LSU? You know what I'm saying? Like, and the how, how did you do it? It's the next thing because and that's when players look up and they look at, oh, man, this guy, here's a stud. This guy, here's a stud. If you look at it, there's a – Georgia had, what, seven or nine guys drafted on defense? Yep. But all year, everybody talked about, oh, this is number one defense. This is number yeah. one defense. Think about when Coach Saban had all those years of great defenses at Alabama. It was all about, man, this guy's a stud. This guy's a stud. Now it's all about their offense. Now who's getting drafted now? They're offensive players. <laughs> so – you know, they're still having some defensive players, but now their offensive players are getting drafted. In Georgia, if the draft started off, Taylor, with three defensive players in a row. Yeah. You know, and that just goes to show you, like, things are changing because, yes, it's become a pass-happy game. And the wide receivers broke the record for as many receivers drafted in the first two rounds. Right. Like, so it's going to show you that, okay, people are trying to gear up to do what? Sack the quarterback, get right. after the passer, don't give him time to let these receivers, dynamic receivers that we're developing nowadays because of all the seven-on-seven camps. They're starting in fifth grade all the way up now. So how do we stop that? We got to get to the quarterback. So that's why you saw so many defensive guys going. That's why you saw so many receivers going. And it's sad because the running backs, there was no running backs or tight ends taken in the first round. Mm -hmm. And it shows you that the running back position is now changing to by committee. Because yeah, teams are pass first now, run second. When it used to be run first, pass second, and play action off of it, it's the opposite now. Now you're passing to set up the run. Mm-hmm. And so it's making the game change, which is making the draft the draft positions be totally looked at, totally uh, different nowadays. And if you're looking at it from a standpoint of, it shows you where the game is won. The game right. is won in the trenches. And where has Auburn struggled at over the last three years? Mm-hmm. is offensive linemen and basically getting a pass rush. Right. So in order for us to get back to where we need to go, we got to create a pass rush and we got to get a solid five guys as an offensive line that can open holes for the run, that can pass block, because that's where the game is is, is really won. For sure. Yeah, and I, I asked you to elaborate on that just because it has been kind of in the media circuit. I, I don't credit 
or discredit Harson and what he did, because I also think that um, there has been a, a certain level of adjustment that this offseason has included. We all know that. Um, so I, I don't think so. I, I, I do think it's a matter of this. This class wasn't as stacked as some uh, across the SEC um, have been. Could we have ended up hearing three names instead of one? Possibly. But um, I, I think that in moving forward, there is an element of that where the head coach can certainly help things along. Um, but that does come with time, establishing that presence, establishing that brand. And Auburn is in a new brand, essentially, under Coach Harson and staff. So, um, But obviously, like we have alluded to, Roger McCreary, was the one to hear his name called the number 35 pick in this year's draft by the Tennessee Titans, which is exciting. Auburn fans, that's not too far of a drive for us to head up to Nashville and see him play. Um, Smoke Monday, obviously these guys ended up in free agency, but several of them are with teams right now. Smoke Monday with the Saints, Zacoby McLean to the Ravens, Chandler Wooten to the Cardinals, and TD Moultrie to the Steelers. So that's how our Auburn guys ended up falling. I uh, I'm incredibly excited for all of them and certainly think that Rogers fit with the Titans is fantastic. I, I think he could certainly contest for a starting role for them this year. And look, that's a, that's a solid roster to be a part of uh, smoke Monday to the saints. People were uh, kind of surprised to see him go that route instead of the jets, which was an option on the table for him. McLean to the Ravens. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of hype around that people like that one as well. So mm-hmm. it, it, there's, there's great setup here and with the draft and look with everything in life, Jason and I love to parallel that it's it sometimes, Sometimes the way that we envision things for ourselves isn't what's best for us and what actually ends up happening is what was best suited for us and, and what was meant to be. So ultimately, you know, these guys not hearing their name called in, in the draft, but it doesn't necessarily equate to um, not having a, a long and, and lucrative career at the next level. So major congratulations to all of those guys. Which which one do you think uh, is is the best fit out of those, Jay? Well, that's a great question because I was just about to say, like, all the four guys that signed the free agent deals, they all signed with really, really good defenses in they the did. NFL. And it, it, they can just make the roster. But first, they have to understand special teams. Mm. And when you sign as an undrafted free agent, uh, the one thing you can make a roster is it's on special teams. Yeah. And then because you become the third guy at your position on the roster, but special teams is where you make your hat. And then once you get into that position and someone else gets hurt or something, then you move up and you get on the field and you start to play. Now you're on solid defenses and people that's in front of you. So when you do play, you're not out there with a bunch of people that's trying to learn like you. You're out there with a bunch of veterans and a bunch of guys that this is a solid defense. So they can kind of help you along the way. And then if you go out there and start making plays because, because, they have people that can get after the quarterback if you're smoke Monday. Now you can go out there and, and make some incredible hits or get an interception or something because you got someone that's not letting the quarterback sit back there for time. If you're McLean, which I think is probably the one I like, it's either him or Wooten, but I'm going to go with McLean just because this is a guy that his leadership, we know that he's a dog. We know he's, he's wearing his heart on his sleeve because he's not a huge guy, but he plays extremely hard. And uh, and this was a tough one for me to pick only because Smoke is a prototype safety. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like he has the body for a prototype safety. And and like I said, if he continues to improve and pass coverage, because we know he can hit, and we know every time his hands touches the ball, 
he has the opportunity to take it back. So based off my decision, I'm going to go with Smoke Monday okay. because he can play special teams. McLean didn't play a lot of special teams, but Smoke can block punts. Smoke mm-hmm. can cover punts. He can cover kickoffs. And uh, playing the safety position, he has a proto-style body. And I think that gives him the best opportunity uh, with the Saints. Okay. I like it. I look forward to seeing what all of them do. And like you mentioned, a a very heavy defense first round. Actually, the first five were all defense. We had Trayvon Walker to the Jags, Aiden Hutchinson to the Lions, Derek Stingley to the Texans, Ahmad Gardner to the Jets, and Kayvon Thibodeau to the Giants. That's how the top five worked out. The SEC led with 12 first round picks. The second place had seven and that was the big 10. So once again, showing the, uh, the strength of the SEC and how they're primed for the next level. Um, any big surprises for you, Jay, watching it this weekend, walking away from it, what, uh, what picks or slips or trades really, uh, surprised you in this? Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, I was surprised that, you know, one that Trevon Walker, uh, went first, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know he's a great talent, um, coming off six sacks for the year. Um, I think the reason he did go first is Jacksonville is looking at the fact that the year before he played defense lineman, he weighed over 290 pounds. Then last year mm-hmm. he dropped 20 some pounds. He played edge rusher. So I think they were looking at the fact that this guy, we can move around, we can move him around on our defense. He doesn't have to play one position right. where you look at Aiden Hutchinson and Thibodeau from Oregon. Those guys are edge rushers. You're yeah. not putting them inside a D tackle. But it also goes to show you, like, they had Walker as, like, a 20-some pick. And then all of a sudden he has the great show at the combine. And, you know, he impresses that pro day. And then all of a sudden he jumps all the way up to first pick. Why? Because they're basing that off potential. Mm-hmm. And that kind of can be concerning when you're dealing with the number one overall pick. Number one overall pick, you want to be like someone that's just solid. You don't see it as potential. Like, you know, this guy can come in and have an effect on your organization like day one. So I was shocked that they put him over Aiden and put him over Thibodeau uh, just because the experience at the position that they drafted him at. But, uh, you know, congratulations to to Walker. But it just goes to show you how much emphasis NFL puts on shorts, what you do in shorts rather than what you do on the film. Like, the film in the sky don't lie. Like, yes, you can impress me in shorts, but I'm still going to go off the film. And I was shocked that Georgia linebacker Dean, the Buckets Award winner, didn't get drafted in the first or the second round. Mm-hmm. Like, that was shocking because somebody just got a great player. Yeah, and oh, 100%. Right. So I was just – I was shocked that he sat as long as he did. Yep. And, uh, you know, with the quarterbacks, I wasn't shocked, but – because they talked about this class not being as strong as some classes before. Um, so a couple of guys dropped a little bit in the draft and, and everything. And then people also looking at next year's quarterback draft with Stroud and Bryce Young and, yeah. and everything. So people are looking at like, you know, we can find our, our guy next season if we don't have a great season this year. So instead of them taking a high risk, you know, on feel like they got to develop a lot, they rather have some guys that they feel like they can have a, a guy from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, so those were, like, I would just say biggest surprise with Trevon going first and Dean, you know, falling to the third and, like, seeing the quarterbacks, you know, uh, Riddick going to Atlanta uh, over Malik Willis. 
um, Malik's from a Georgia yeah, and uh, he's an Atlanta guy. So I would have thought that they would have took him at that position over Desmond, but you know, great for Desmond Malik still great. Cause why he ends up on a better football team mm -hmm. right now. The better football team is Tennessee. Tennessee is better today than even Pittsburgh is. If you think about oh, for sure. Pickett going to Pittsburgh at 20. Yes. Pittsburgh is a good football program, but Tennessee is ahead of them right now. When you think about when you got Derrick Henry running the ball behind you and you got a defensive minded head coach and Malik Willis, like if you get the opportunity to start, you're behind Tannehill, which they're not so sold on. Mm -hmm. But if you do get the chance to play, you're with a playoff football team. So you're not going to like a Houston. You're not going to like a Jets. You're not going to teams that got all kind of knees and then you get beat up and then you get battered and everyone want to bash on you when they know the whole team is just disoriented. But right. you're with a solid franchise. So, you know, congrats to all those guys. But that was my shocker. I wonder if Malik and Roger were ever at Auburn together. Yes, they were. They were. Uh, okay, yes, cool. They were, cause, uh, cool. Yeah, I think Malik transferred. He had ended up getting two years at Liberty, which yeah, I think one of those years because he got an extra year for cause of COVID. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Little so. reunion. I just put two and two mm -hmm. together. Um, yeah, Nicobe Dean and Malik falling as far as they did were were my surprises as well. Also, like Hollywood Brown getting traded out of nowhere. And apparently, like right. Lamar Jackson didn't even know about it. Like those, like established players and for franchises getting traded out of the blue was more so shocking and drafting about it to replace them i know i was very confused by all of that but um yeah nakobe and, and malik sliding as far as they did was was surprising to me but all in all very impressive draft it looks like looked like fun out there in vegas thought the coverage was was pretty solid and it's always a fun broadcast fun to watch but let me ask you a question yeah go jay so one of our own, Carrion Johnson, yes, uh, came out and said, "Do you feel guys that come out early and get undrafted should they have the opportunity to go back to college?" So this gets tricky because I think that once your decision is made, I, I think you go with it personally. Uh, otherwise, like we're just allowing so many options. Like where is, where is loyalty? Where is commitment? Like those things are not really being taught in sport as much anymore at the college level. And it used to be the pillars of it. So I think if we allow that it's in my mind, it's like being in a relationship, but then going on a date with someone else and deciding on the date, if you want to stay in your relationship or get out, like you have to make that decision based on where your heart is. Do you want to be at the league or do you still want to be in college? I don't think it's, we get to test what kind of reward we're going to get. That's not real life. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I think they should at least, I think by January 15th, they always have to make the decision. Yeah. I think they should just move the decision back to like early February. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because if you have bowl games and different things, like you need these kids to give them a little bit more than just two weeks to sit right. down and put all their thoughts together, talk it over with their family and be able to make the right decision, get some research on, okay, if I was to come out, where would I be drafted before I sign with this agent? And before I make the decision, like, give me an opportunity to know some real thought. Let me get four or five opinions, right. you know, not let me get one that I want to hear. Let me right. get four or five opinions and then let us make the decision. Because yes. a lot of times these kids make these decisions so quick and they feel like well, we got to make a decision now. I think they just need to move it back at least a month. 
Yeah, and, I, uh, I agree with that. Let's give it more time. Give it more time. But I agree with you, though. Like, commitment and loyalty is whatever. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah, it's not present right now. Right? Because you want to be able to know as a college coach, I need to know if you're coming back next year or not. Right. Because once we start our spring roster and start to fill out who we're trying to put at each position for competition to win jobs, you do have to know, like, if this kid is going to be on our team or not. You can't yeah. go through this as a college coach and say, okay, we go through spring ball. Oh, our defensive end didn't get drafted. Oh, we can bring back, you know, for example, let's say T.D. Motry. We can bring back T.D. Motry. Right. Like, and put him back in there. How are you going to do that? You just got another kid that you just developed all spring, and now you bring back T.D. Motry and put him over this kid who's been working all spring to try to win this job. Right. And or just, vice versa, you do expect to essentially have TD Moultrie back. Let's just say we, we don't think he's going to get drafted. So we, we think we're coming back. So in recruiting and the transfer portal, you're not pursuing that position. Then at the end of draft weekend, he goes, Oh, actually, I think I am going to do this. Well, that college program has now wasted months because they thought you were coming back. Like, I just think the ripple effect is going to be too negative. I think expanding the time is fine. Allow them to be educated. I mean, look, we've opened up those floodgates with NIL now that they have access Mm -hmm. to a lot more and spawn sponsorship and money and all of that like a lot of these are dealing with agents prior to what they're supposed to be but um so I think expanding the time is one thing but literally allowing them to go through the entirety of the draft weekend and then deciding nah, I'm going to go back you've already eliminated the camaraderie that the team's going to have around you and you're allowing this game to be so individualized that it is essentially going to be a business like the NFL there's no distinction between college and NFL if we do that yeah, because right now you got some NILs, you know, you look out there, guys are making more money than professional athletes. Exactly. Now you're talking about like NILs, like the kid from Miami, the the basketball player, their star player. He wants to transfer from Miami because he feel like Miami's not giving him enough NIL money. Gracious. I'm just like, dude, y'all just had the best run Miami has ever had in college basketball, but you want to leave because you said you're not getting enough money in NIL. And you have to be careful with that because you can make more money if you stay there because you've built something there, your legacy is there. And if you go into the NBA draft and you have a good career, but if you choose to leave and go somewhere else because of NIL money, you may go somewhere else and you may not be the same fit. And then once you get there, you may not even be happy because you just took the money. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're not in a position you were a year ago. Like you're not familiar with the coach and that's why I tell you, you have to be careful about just choosing to go places based off the money. Don't be bought. Right. Like if you choose to go somewhere, make sure you, you, you love it. And your heart is there because if you get to a place and if your heart and your mind is not there and you took it because of money, all of a sudden you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And so, because you're talking about spending the next four years at a college and someone that can help that's that you wants to grow into a man or grow into a woman, like you have to make sure that you're making a decision based off. Yes. You want to make some money in IL. We all get it. Yes. All kids want to make something for themselves. That's great. But at the same time, know how far that you want to go with it. Don't allow yourself to be bought with a price, but right. allow yourself to make sure you're choosing the decision because of this is where you want to be. This is where you love because ultimately if you don't, you're going to be, depressed and you're not going to be happy once you get to a certain place if that's not the choice that you wanted to make because you chose to make it because of the finance exactly exactly and I think that that's you know the aspect that they're all having to 
reason with way too early. So let's not add too much more to it. Okay. All right. Well, a few updates on the college front, obviously Auburn continuing to make use of the transfer portal as best that they can. And we have landed wide receiver. Is his name pronounced Dazzlin? Because if so, I love it. And that is so appropriate for a wide receiver. I could be butchering it, in which case I'm very sorry. Dazzlin Warsham transfers to Auburn from Miami. He spent two seasons with the Hurricanes. He's actually a Birmingham native. He went to Hewitt Trustful High School. So comes back to his home state, which is a trend that several guys have actually done, obviously Robbie Ashford. So that's exciting to add to a room that certainly is in need of it. Obviously we only had, I think six scholarship wide receivers practicing during spring ball because of injury. One of those even being Javaris Johnson, who also was dealing with a bit of an injury during spring ball. So we all know that that is a room that needs, you know, added help to. And it's actually something that Harson knows as well. He went and spoke at an alum event this week and and kind of talked about their emphasis in the transfer portal. And he acknowledged needs at the defensive line, wide receiver and secondary as areas that they would like to target in the transfer portal. And then a day later, um, the announcement came out that Warsham had chosen Auburn. I don't think there's a surprise in those three being, you know, acknowledged as needing, you know, help. Are you surprised that he did not mention the offensive line? A little bit surprised. Yeah, uh, I think he's talking about a day. Right. I think he's thinking about immediate um, help. I think he feels like he can buy a year with the offensive line that he has coming back because we had three seniors that decided to take the COVID year and to come back. So I think he's looking at like, okay, these guys didn't participate in the spring. Uh, because we want someone was recovered from injuries, but we know we'll have them ready for the summer and then gearing up for the fall. So I think they feel like from a depth standpoint that the guys that, that were playing behind the starters that wouldn't able to participate in the spring got an opportunity to get a lot of experience that they wouldn't have gotten had those guys not been injured at the time. So, right. you know, you can't teach experience. So they feel like they probably developed some guys. And then once their main guys come back, they feel like they can actually get through this season with a good offensive line and uh and they can really go really hard this uh this this fall and signing some offensive linemen and getting some offensive linemen and and a transfer reporter to gear up for the future so yeah I think he's just uh going off right now because we are in the past happy league and you definitely need secondary you know you lose Roger but you got Nehemiah Prickett and Jayla Simpson and you know we got the the kid that transferred from Oregon to corner and uh mm-hmm. and everything so you have some guys but everybody knows you gotta have depth and I right. think that's the reason at the receiver position. Yes, we're going to have some guys that are fast, but Taylor, all of them lack experience except for two guys. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about Shedrick and you're talking about um, Travars. So you're only talking about two guys. So everybody else lacks experience. That's something you can't teach. And even though Worsham, he's coming in, he really lacks experience. Let's yeah. just be honest. He was in Miami for two years. He didn't get a lot of playing time. He played in maybe one game. So he's coming in. Um, you know, being a knowing how to be a college player, but he lacks experience as well. So this is definitely going to be done by committee. That's why I say I expect our tight ends to be a big part of our passing game this year. Yeah, that was also showcased in the spring game. But 
nonetheless, always good to uh, see some power five guys coming in. Another positive is that Auburn had no post spring ball transfers. So obviously with the portal entry deadline falling after spring, uh, the reality of college football right now is a lot of coaches expect several guys to enter the portal once spring ball is done. It's, it's kind of viewed as a trial to see where you are or where you think the coaches have you and, and then make your decision. It was actually interesting during USC's um, spring game. I think it was RG three that was down on the field covering it. And they were talking to Lincoln Riley and he straight up said, we're going to lose a lot of guys to the portal next week. Like our roster is going to look very different come fall coaches expect it now because they think that, okay, we're going to show some of our cards in spring practice and in the spring game, as far as guys that we've got our eye on and we're prioritizing, you know, making use of. And so the guys are able to see that and then ultimately make the decision if they think they want to go elsewhere. So it is a very common time for guys to exit the program and Auburn had none. And I think that coming off the off season that we had and some of the uncertainty that has still been, you know, a- around Auburn, it's a great sign that, that none of them took that way out and that they are believing in what's being established. So I think that in today's age of college football, that is certainly something that Auburn fans can feel optimistic about. Oh yeah. I would be upset if I was a coach, but you can't, I guess, you know, feel your emotions because the simple fact that if I develop a kid all spring and then all of a sudden he's, we're putting him probably in our starter rotation as we get ready to prepare for, for summer and fall. Then all of a sudden he tells me after the spring, Oh, I'm transferring. Now I'm upset because I could have used that time and energy on another kid developing him for somebody who's going to be here and it's locked in. That's why I say it's the same thing with the draft, right? It's too much open space right now. It's too much, you know, too much I got it like no like we are getting away from commitment and loyalty and it's starting to worry me because and it's not really wearing me I say concerning uh starting to concern me because what type of men are we building for our society you know if you're not going to be loyal and and understand commitment as a in in a team environment then what are you going to do in an individual environment You know, so we have to understand team was all about teaching you the ups and downs, the same thing you go through in life. So when you go through ups and downs in life, a lot of it is and when you play sports and, and different things where you're in an environment where it involves more than just yourself. And you understand that other people depend on you. You understand that, hey, you got to give it your all. If you want the guy beside you to give it his all and us for us to reach the ultimate goal. But now it's about, you know, we're changing all of that. And it's starting to concern me because these are young men. It's going to be husbands, going to be fathers, going to be, you know, leading companies, going to be work in the workforce. Like there's so many different things that are going to be going on. This that football is a short term. So what kind of men are we building nowadays? Like it's the same way in society. Where, what direction are we going in right now? So all of this is concerning. And I think if you're going to do this with a transfer reporter, then make the transfer reporter deadline by March 15th before yep. you even start spring, spring football. So that way guys, coaches will know once we go through spring, this guy's locked in for the rest of this year because he can't transfer right now. I agree. I think that that timeline is is creating some difficulties as well. 
Um, speaking of the transfer portal, Auburn basketball has benefited from it as well, landing Moorhead State center Johnny Broom. He averaged 17 points, 11 rebounds, and four blocks per game, and he has three years of eligibility left. So a great get for Bruce Pearl, who has been quoted saying that this basketball team is reloading, obviously on the heels of losing some big stars like Jabari and Walker. Also, Alan Flanagan and Dylan Cardwell are two guys that are both quote, testing the waters of the NBA draft while still maintaining their eligibility. So we will uh, keep our eyes on what those two choose to do. And finally, a little baseball update, obviously coming off a big series against the number one team in the nation, Tennessee Volunteers. We're only the second team to beat the Vols in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. We were in all three of them, unfortunately losing the series two to one, but defeating them in their home field is, is not an easy task. Auburn is on a very solid track to host a regional. They've got three remaining SEC series, one of which being this weekend at Plainsman Park. Number three, Arkansas is coming to town and they have a fantastic club as they always do. That's become a very established program. So It'll be a big series if you're in or around Auburn. Make sure you head out there. The weather's going to be unreal this weekend. So a a little injury update, though. Starting pitcher Hayden Mullins left Friday's game with a forearm injury, and he is not expected to be available this weekend. So that pitching staff is going to kind of have to reshuffle a little bit in terms of who starts on the mound this weekend. But hopefully they close this one out strong and we can host a regional and would love to see the Tigers back in Omaha for the College World Series. I think that the SEC's presence there is always felt, but when Auburn's there, it's a little more special. Oh yeah, and I definitely want to go to Omaha. That's that's one to. thing on the list. Um, you have to. I want to go. But I want to go in Auburn. Is is in the midst. Oh, for and- sure. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and following along as Jason and I break down the ever-evolving but always entertaining world of Auburn athletics. We will uh, be back next week. I think this month is a bit more chill, so we should be good about having consistent episodes. So make sure you stick with us. Subscribe if you have not already. Make sure that you do that so you can get a notification every time we release an episode. Hit us up on social media. Let us know any questions you have, things you want to hear, interviews you would like us to set up as season gets closer. I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say that, but I promise we are. Keep it locked. We'll be back next week. And until then, War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.